Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of my Future Tech podcast series. It's Charlie Sell, Board Director at Major Group, where I get a chance to speak to thought leaders, people passionate about technology, asking them a bit about their story, um, always covering a topic that they're passionate about and finishing on that all-important career advice um, where we share with our STEM Ambassador Association. So I'm really pleased to have Andy Gibson with me today. Andy is a software engineering consultant um, currently engaged at ClearBank. ClearBank are one of the fastest growing digital banks um, uh, European-wide. Um, and Andy is absolutely leading the way, looking at um, ways of transforming and implementing AI and best practice uh, software techniques and a really, really passionate person when it comes to this sort of topics. So really looking forward to discussing a bit more about that in the podcast. Um, Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Let's jump straight in and tell me a bit about your story. So how did you get into technology? Yeah, sure. Um, so a little bit unorthodox for me. I didn't actually start off in technology. I started off doing a, a law degree, um, which isn't the sort of standard route into technology. Um, so did a law degree while I was um, while I was doing my degree, was working part time for, for Tesco Bank. Um, and actually got the opportunity to do some software testing for them. Um, so started started to en enjoy that. Software testing led to test automation, which led to learning to code, which eventually learned to uh, led to moving into a software engineering role. Um, so was a software engineer for a while in the northeast, which is which is where I'm from in uh, in Newcastle, uh, and then and then realised to sort of progress my career at least at that point before before remote working was such a thing, um, I was going to have to move to London. So I moved to London and actually the first job I applied for in London was as a sort of founding engineer at ClearBank. This was way back at the beginning of 2016. Um, so was, I think, something like engineer number four or five at ClearBank. Um, joined them when they were still in a, a tech incubator working from a basement, like that, that old cliche of the, the dev team in the basement. Um, and then spent about uh, about six years at ClearBank, actually. So taking them from, you know, startup where they didn't even have a banking license um, all the way through to get, getting a full banking license, integrating directly with all the payment schemes in, in the UK, you know, all, all of the classic early startup stories of um, you know, pull, pulling all nighters to hit deadlines, all that kind of stuff. Um, all the way through to them being a fully operational and actual, actually profitable bank. Um, and actually at the start of, or the, or the end of 2021, um, it felt like a sort of natural time to leave ClearBank. Like we, we, we'd done and achieved a bunch of stuff there. They were profitable. Uh, and it, it felt like a sort of natural moving on point. So that's, that's what I did for, the, for um, a big part of 2022. Went and did consulting for a, for a bunch of different um, companies on their sort of cloud architecture and using experience from the ClearBank journey to help them out with what they were doing. Um, and then Tom Harris got in touch um, sort of summer 22. And I know you've had Tom on the on the podcast before. Um, and he convinced me to come back to ClearBank. What they were doing then was actually expanding into Europe, so launching the European bank. So I spent the last year helping them do that, build out the tech platform and get that ready for as soon as they get the European license, which is which is now imminent. Um, and then finally, where I am today is still at ClearBank, at least at least for the rest of the year, 
and as you mentioned at the at the top of the call now helping them with their strategy for implementing generative ai and how they can use that to solve some of their operational problems as, as you can imagine a sort of like fully operational fully regulated bank has a has a bunch of manual processes and and sort of operational inefficiencies um but it's sort of natural for any company like that uh, and now with current ai technology there's a real opportunity to, to to streamline a lot of those so that's that's what i'm working on at the minute yeah wow and you know any, anyone who hasn't really heard of the the, the journey that clearbank's gone through it's, it's it's a real success story and knowing that you're one of the uh, the original uh core engineering team you know that's something to be very very proud of and um yeah and, yeah and uh as you say the um yeah now what you're doing with ai and we've had lots of long chats about this i think we're both equally passionate well you're, you're absolutely on the forefront of this i'm a I'm more of a witness to, to the advancements of it. But talk to me a bit more about where you see generative AI and, and what, what, what your view is on, on how that's going to actually benefit um, industry as much as the you know, um, people within the industry. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, so there's a few, few places we can start on that. I will, I will, maybe I'll just say a little bit about my background in this area because again, I don't have a sort of traditional background in data engineering. Um, I've been sort of pretty pretty like broad skill set in terms of software engineering and cloud architecture but i've never really focused on on data engineering um and i think that's that's maybe an interesting point to start on because i think one of the really exciting things about generative ai um is how much it's lowered the barrier to entry for sort of standard software developers who who, who don't act who aren't necessarily experts in um in the traditional sense in in ai so i think and I think this is um, one thing that we've talked about before is like, how, what, what are some like parallels you can draw uh, on, on previous technology movements? And one thing that you suggested was actually, there's a lot of parallels with when cloud computing was becoming a big thing um, and, and a few different parallels. What one is like the, the lowering the barrier to entry um, where, you know, 10 years ago before the cloud was a thing, hosting sort of complex infrastructure and complex architectures, you really did need a specialist team to do that. You needed data centers, you needed sort of infrastructure experts, sysadmins, all, all those sorts of roles. Um, and then as the cloud became more of a thing and got and got adopted um, really widely, you opened opportunities for like single solo developers to launch sort of complex applications at, at the click of a button, which was absolutely fantastic for everyone. It was sort of d democratizing software hosting and deployments. Um, and I really think like current generative AI technology is doing the same thing. Um, not just OpenAI, there's a bunch of other companies doing it. Um, but the fact that you now have these sort of super powerful cutting edge um, uh, AI models behind an API, it's a single API call, you call an API and you have access to these things, um, I think it's just absolutely amazing. So there's like, there's, there's now currently, it's, it's almost overnight, it's gone from, there's a whole category of problems that you previously would have needed like a specialist AI ML team um, to help you solve. And it's now either it's, those capabilities can just be embedded directly in a product engineering team, or even just like, if you're starting a side hustle on your own as a solo developer, um, you've got all of these capabilities at your fingertips. And that and that's not only um, to build into your product, but also on, on the operational side of things. So again, cer certain businesses where previously 
you know, you might have needed to hire a, a small operations team to answer customer queries or do a bunch of other operational stuff. Um, the sort of uh, the dream of a, a, a no ops no ops company where you you really don't have to do any of that manually um, is now is now r really a reality with um, with with new AI technology. Um, so I realized like that introduction, it, it sounds a bit like I've you know, completely drank the Kool-Aid on, 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 on OpenAI. And I, and I feel like I have a little bit, but I, but I do think there's, um, there's a lot of substance there. And I think it's, it's going to really change the world over the next few years. Yeah. And, and it is. I mean, I, I just think it's the most exciting growth journey that we've got since cloud, as, we said, as you mentioned earlier, since sort of cloud technology becoming embraced. Yeah. And... What's your thoughts? So, because obviously, what people people are also quite worried about AI. You know, is it going to replace jobs? Is it is it secure? Yeah. You know, is it going to? You know, people keep referring back to Terminator and uh, Skynet. <laughs> you know, the whole sort of does it? Will it take over? But if we just focus on probably something a bit more relevant, which is the you know jobs. You know, what what do you think AI will do in regards to the industry and and, and opportunity for people to build careers? Yeah, and, and and I I agree. I think that is the right thing to focus on because you because you do. I mean, you can get into very sort of philosophical conversations about what this looks like in twenty years' time, or thirty years' time, or whatever it is. And and you know that they they are important conversations to have. But exactly like you say, there's some really like immediate term, practical, pragmatic conversations that that we should be focusing on first. I, like I totally agree with that. Um, I I think it, it it's going to affect a lot of jobs. It's not it's not just going to be software development it's not just going to be sort of um customer service jobs or content creation jobs like across the board there is there is going to be um there's going to be a huge amount of sort of upheaval um so I th maybe if we just focus on a few a few different um a few different sectors and we can we can talk about them i mean i think like what i'm probably most qualified to talk about is that is software engineering like how, how do i think this is going to affect software engineering um i think most developers that I, that I speak to are not in the state of mind at the minute where people are like worried about their job being replaced. Uh, and actually in the next sort of like medium term, next few years, I, I don't think that's realistic either. I think what AI, um, the, so, so the current sort of LLM generative AI technology, I think how it will be used in the next few years is it will just be embedded as almost like a co-pilot that's just going to help you do your job much better. So I think rather than replacing jobs, at least in the in the in the uh, short to medium term, I think it's just going to um, increase productivity, especially in like software development. If you just think like how much um, how much repetition and sort of boilerplate code people write day to day and that's not the valuable thing right like if you can get an ai to do the thing that is boring about your job that you can sort of do without even thinking about that you've done a hundred times in the last month alone then i think that's a good thing um and i think what it actually frees you up to do as a software engineer uh, is think about think more about problem solving which is actually where the, where the value comes from these roles right it's not about you know who 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 knows the most sort of detail detail about a particular programming language and who can write the most pristine code it's actually who can solve business problems and if we can sort of offload some of that onto on the ai um some of the sort of like more more menial menial parts of the job to ai then i think that's only a good thing 
Um, I think that applies to a bunch of other sectors as well, not just software engineering. Like there's a bunch of, um, and again, this, this comes back to like what we're implementing at ClearBank at the minute. A lot of the approaches that we're taking for how we introduce AI is to introduce it as a co-pilot. We're not introducing it as this thing that, you know, you, you give full autonomy to and now it just completely does someone's job. Uh, it, it's actually what, how we're implementing it is to embed it in existing manual processes and the things that someone would have to go off and do manually. Um, now the AI can just sort of give them a summary. They're still making a decision that the human is still completely, you know, in, in, in the decision flow. Um, uh, it's just they're, they're more productive and, and the AI is really helping them out with that. Now, lo longer term, and, I, and we're getting now into, a, into an area, I guess, where I'm not too qualified to speak, but I, but I, I guess long term that jobs will start to be replaced. Like there's, there's a certain, definitely a certain category of job where you can imagine, well, we can now just completely automate that even with current AI technology. Um, so what, what that means in, the, in terms of the economy, in terms of like people having to retrain and, and go into, into different jobs, like, I don't know, but, but there's, there's definitely going to be some big upheaval in the next few years. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, again, I, I I totally agree with you. I think, I think the 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 positive way I look at it is yes. I, well, I couldn't agree with you more about replacing low level parts of your job, the boring parts mm. of your job. And I love the, the, the term co-pilot, using AI as a co-pilot. Um, but I think the nice thing is it's also going to create new jobs that haven't even been invented yet. You know, even yeah. even for the most basic of prompt engineering, which has been this thing that's been coming now, how to actually use AI and, and get, get the best benefits of it. Yeah. So I think that retraining is, is, is absolutely going to happen, but I'd like to think it's going to be retraining into, into future roles, future careers that, that yeah, may not even be around now, but will be a lot more, more fulfilling. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and you actually touched on something like just the fact that a technology that is this this early on, this nascent, it is so hard to predict how it is going to affect things. Al almost impossible, right? Because, and it's because this th this thing just by its nature is completely non-deterministic, right? Like you, you, you don't know like how these models are going to grow, what they're going to be capable of, and then how people are going to interact with them. And therefore, how, how is that going to affect the, the, the bigger system of the, the economy and, and jobs and that kind of thing? Um, so it's really just something to watch really closely. I, I'm sort of like super excited about it. I'm very optimistic about it. Um, I thought, yeah, I think it's going to do, I think it's going to do great things. Um, we did, we didn't touch there on, you, you mentioned something about, um, like security and like, like worries that people have about implementing AI. Um, and I think that's also like a really important, a really important part of it. Um, again, like any new technology, like the, there are, there are going to be like a, a few things that we really have to think about. So, so how we're approaching this at ClearBank, um, we are actually implementing an AI ethics policy um, where um, any sort of new use case, new significant use case that we're implementing using AI, um, there's just a, a few things that we need to think about before before we actually go ahead and put that into production and start re, uh, start using it with with real customers. Um, so so one of the really important things that we think about is is assurance or, or quality assurance, I guess. 
um, which is like, how, how can we be sure that the AI is going to do what we want it to do? And how can we be sure that it's going to continue to do that over time? So that's like a, a, a really important part. Um, and there's a few ways that we're sort of approaching this, ranging from sort of running running tests continuously against the AI to, to uh, make sure it's doing what we're doing, continue doing what we expect it to do, continuing to... Um, involve humans in the process like as, as as much as possible so even even where we've got this vision to sort of like automate a process entirely we still envisage you know humans doing sampling on on the um, performance of the ai um we we still we, we can't see a situation where we would you know the ai is just on its own completely autonomous we're not we're not monitoring it at all um so yeah that that's that's one thing that we're thinking a lot about the other one is security. So uh, you, you're probably aware that um, uh, Microsoft have a huge investment in OpenAI um, and Microsoft are actually got a service in their cloud platform in Azure um, that lets you host OpenAI. Um, so you just, you don't have to you know, go directly to OpenAI and call their APIs. You can actually just host it in your existing cloud infrastructure. So that means you also get um, all of the sort of standard security network controls, authentication controls that you would expect from a major cloud provider. Um, Microsoft have obviously put a lot of work and, and, and money into making that happen and making it happen very quickly. You remember ChatGPT only came out not even a year ago, it's like 10 months ago. Uh, and we're already in a position where we can spin up sort of production grade infrastructure in, in Microsoft Azure um, and use OpenAI that way. Um, so yeah, like de definitely, definitely agree. Like there's a there's a there's a bunch of things to consider, and and then and then there's also like just the ethical part of it. Just like are, is the use case that we're that we're talking about for AI here? Um, do do we feel like it has integrity? Like if we were the customer that was whose data was being used in this way, would we be happy about it? Um, and I think that's also something we should be asking asking ourselves for every use case every time we implement something with this. It's not. It's, it's very tempting to just say, okay, this is now a tool in the toolkit. We can use it for everything. It's just another piece of software. I think I, I, don't, I think you need to think a little bit more deeply about it than that um, and just be a bit mindful of, you know, use, the use cases here can quickly get away from you if you are sort of like seeding, seeding too much control to the AI, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and and thank you for that because I think, that, <clears throat> you know, that, that's, that's the other thing people are just so keen to know about that from not just about the jobs and, and the future of it, security of it and, and <clears throat> you know what Microsoft are doing in regards to keeping it within one cloud infrastructure you know it's uh, it's I mean it feels like it's just evolving at a million miles an hour and it, but for me in a good way I think I think if you embrace this if we embrace this um, you know it's 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 going to have so many benefits and, and everything from Helping with global warming and, and you know climate change and and, yeah. and ethical uh, uh, things all the way through to to hopefully providing more more inspiring fuller jobs when when low level skills can be replaced. It's uh, yeah I, yeah I think that's a really good point actually. Like because what what I'm working on at the minute in, in in the grand scheme of things you know like add, adding operational efficiencies to the bank it's not it's it's not it's not changing the world right but but you are absolutely right there are some sort of like humanity level sort of huge problems that can also be eventually start to be solved with this sort of technology yeah. so I, yeah I to totally agree there is some really exciting things going to happen in the next well 
already happening but imagine where where we're going to be in five to ten years time yeah yeah and well time has flown by like every podcast good podcast does so the last bit for me is just a career advice you know for our listeners and, and hopefully many of them who are just going to be so passionate about AI would have listened um, and, and taken a lot from this but they're also trying to get their foot in the door so from you what would be the one or two bits of advice you would give a young person if they're trying to get into a you know, into their first role within technology and maybe even specifically within an AI related tech business? Yeah. So I think I would, I would focus on like, um, what, what skills do you want to develop and what kind of mindsets do you want to have? And, and I, and I touched on it a little bit when we were talking about how AI might affect software, software development and sort of software engineering roles. Um, and what I said was, well, AI is going to do the sort of more menial bits of sort of writing boilerplate code and that kind of thing and the software engineer's job is going to be about solving problems and delivering value uh, and that and that's really the advice that i would give to young people is like you, you really need to be relentlessly focused on delivering value um the the reason that you you're hired for a company is to solve problems and add value to their product um i think a, a trap that i see a lot of um younger younger engineers, younger tech people fall into is to is to focus too much on the tech, right? Like it's definitely important to have technical foundations and to understand like why you're doing what you're doing and how your technology stack works and all that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, customers don't care what your code looks like. In fact, no one probably outside of your immediate development team cares if you've got pristine code or what design patterns you've used or anything like that. People care, have you got a working product? Have you got have you got a testable product that is quality and that delivers value to customers? Um, and, I, and I think people just need to be relentlessly focused on that. Um, what you'll find throughout your career, and, and this is especially true in banking and regulated industries, um, there are many people whose job it is to, to find problems, to point out problems, and, and rightly so, right? You need those checks and balances and you need people in those sort of um, it's second and third line roles in, in places like banks. Um, but, but that's not what software engineering is. You need to find the problem and you need to understand it hundred percent, but you need to come up with solutions to it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think having that mindset and having that at the front of your mind and everything that you do is the advice that I would give to people. Yeah. And, and I think that's brilliant advice that that solution mindset is just so important. And, and for me, that goes beyond software engineering that, that 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 should be a mindset for anyone who who is trying to add value in whatever job role they have but to to relate it to our young listeners who are wanting to get into a tech business that i think is what employers are really looking for you know you can yeah. teach a lot but what you probably can't teach is a is a mindset to to want to be able to work out take things apart get it find out what the problem is but exactly as you say to then provide the solution so yeah Andy, thank you so, so much. That's been such an interesting podcast and especially around your your, your passion for AI and the stuff that you're doing with ClearBank is is just, I think, it's quite game-changing. And, and as we said earlier, it's uh, it's going to be relatable and transferable to many other industry sectors. But uh, well, so thank you for being a guest. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, that's another episode of our Future Tech podcast. Um, as many people know, it is hosted on our Arrows Group forward slash podcast, as well as shared with the STEM Ambassador Association with their network of schools and colleges um, and on Spotify. So thanks for everyone for listening to the podcast. 
Once more, thank you to Andy, and this is another episode. Thank you.